Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to the Abayus of the Voice of the Cape. If you just tuned in, 91.3 FM Stereo, 89.8, 90.9, as well as www.vocfm.ca.za. And uh, my name is uh, Muhammad Fasih Peterson. This program focuses on the book, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body, uh, book six in a series of books authored by Butasari Mani, uh, who once again joins us in studio. And uh, in this program, we look at the aspect of creation and uh, we look at the world around us, the external and internal worlds, the worlds within our body or the, the ecosystem within our body. We understand this through the lens of Islam and link this to Tawheed and belief. With me, as mentioned, Badasadi Mani, Badasadi, Assalamu Alaikum, and welcome once again to the studios. Assalamu Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Muhammad Fasih. I'm very happy to be here, and uh, wa alaikum salam to the listeners out there. um we've, as I mentioned last week, and again this week, we've covered a lot of ground in terms of our explanations we've looked at. Um, the concept of the Big Bang as it's understood by scientists. We looked at the concept of um, the aspect of Kun, the instruction for creation as we understand it being Kun uh, or B. Uh, we also looked at uh, the Big Bang in terms of what it is understood to be as a, as a spark. And from that spark, all creation came into being in the physical realm, in this universe that we that we experience and understand. So... Um, Demonstrating the power and the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in as far as our limited thinking capacity as human beings are to be able to at least ponder on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. Now, this week we'll be looking at other concepts, we'll be looking at other aspects tied to this. But if we reflect upon what we discussed last week and we look at the vastness of Allah's creation, we mentioned that this is a demonstration of Allah's power, a tiny spark, and with this tiny spark, all of life came into being in this physical realm, in this universe. So what does that say for us as Muslims when we reflect upon the magnitude of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's power as being demonstrated in a small way? Shukran, uh, Muhammad Fasih. Um, I think the first thing is, is just to step back one, one for a moment and to say why are we even looking at the Big Bang? Um, we mentioned this earlier, but it's a good reminder for all of us, including the two of us sitting here in the studio, that we are not doing this just to engage in a mental exercise or to satisfy our curiosity, because we are all born with curiosity, wanting to know how things work. But the main purpose that should drive why we are even listening to this program should be to find ways and means of getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs us to look at these signs so that we can recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in whatever we are looking at in creation. And surely one of the greatest signs is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the universe. So if one looks at that without becoming too technical, uh, and sometimes it's difficult not to become technical when we're talking about how the universe was created, we look at what signs has said 
and proven to us of how things developed from the very beginning to where we are now and how it actually corresponds to what the Quran has been telling us for more than 1400 years and how these things actually coincide. I think that is one of the miracles and already that in itself should be sufficient proof that the Quran is not just only the truth, but the Quran comes from someone who knows everything or, or a, a divine being that knows everything about everything. And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think that's an amazing statement to just think about and reflect on for a moment in that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about matters in the Quran, it's from a point of complete knowledge, subhanAllah, and complete understanding. And that is something that we need to keep in mind, particularly when we examine theories, when we look at philosophy, when we look at science, when we look at other aspects. Uh, these are human beings' research into specific subjects, into specific matters, but limited by their capacity to think, uh, limited by their ability as human beings. And then we have this divine book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so definitely when we think about Allah, the one who has complete knowledge, it certainly then means that there needs to be deeper study, there needs to be deeper analysis of the word of Allah if we are to understand ourselves and understand the universe a bit better. Yeah, alhamdulillah, um, uh, the Quran is full of gems uh, that we need to discover out there. Um, and one of the things, because it comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it has different levels of understanding depending on the type of hearts that we have. Allah has actually given us the Quran that actually caters for everyone, regardless of how intelligent or learned they are, whether it is an ordinary person with very little understanding or whether it is a scientist who understands these matters. The Quran is written in such a way that it actually speaks to every single human being and we will find our answers there. What we need to do is to make the effort. We can't just uh, say, I don't understand, I read this. You have to read the Quran and make effort to understand. And if you make the effort, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will supply the rest. The voice of Buddha Mani, we're looking at uh, the book, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body, book six in the series, authored by Buddha And uh, uh, when we come back after this break, we would look at the concept of time that I think most definitely ties into the aspect of understanding creation, understanding our physical world, and looking at that in the concept of then breaking out of the box of our own thinking. And sometimes I feel we are trapped by that thinking in relation to how we look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, we're going to talk about that after the break. You're welcome to WhatsApp us if you have any questions related to what's been discussed. 072-238-0712. SMS us uh, 47913. We won't answer those questions tonight, but we will perhaps in the shows to come look at those questions and bring clarity if there is anything that needs to be, that needs to be explained. But uh, we'll be back right after this. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Welcome back to the 
show focusing on The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body, uh, book six in the series, authored by Buddha Mani, in the concept of understanding Tawheed and the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how we, looking at these signs, and we spoke about signs in previous programs, looking at these signs and looking at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and using this to help grow our iman, to grow our our faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, but Asani, the one big concept is that of time. Now, we all think we know what time is. We all think we know the concept of time. But how does time then relate to this concept of creation, this concept of things coming into being? And was there time before this creation? Shukran, uh, Muhammad Fasih. Um, the question of time if we are able to understand it better, especially in relation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then many other things in our belief system, in how we understand our tawheed, our aqidah, uh, and especially the topic of qada and qadr will become a bit easier to understand. Uh, I'm not going to go into, into predestination and what Allah has put out and how that impacts on choice. But inshallah, if we understand the question of time a little bit better in relation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then some of these things will become easier to understand. Now to go to back to the beginning. At the beginning, there was nothing. This was mentioned in the earlier programs. Nothing means nothing. No time, no space, no energy, nothing. The absence of anything, that's nothing. Now, for something to emerge now out of nothing requires something to bring it into existence. Now, without going into all the detail, we said science has proven to us that everything started with one single point of very intense energy. This has been confirmed in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said everything was united and then Allah split it asunder and created everything from there. Uh, that confirms to us, although science doesn't go so far as to say, Allah created the universe from the single point, but we are in agreement with them that everything started from a single point. Then Allah created the world, the universe, and everything it contains. And logically, nothing, as the scientists said, uh, it's possible that out of this nothing, something accidentally appeared or by itself appeared. We know that anything that we see around us has to have a beginning. A house doesn't build itself. It must have a builder. A book doesn't write itself. It must have an author or a writer. Now, to, to just before we get into actual time, which means, therefore, that everything that didn't exist has to have a beginning. Before that, it was nothing. And then before that nothingness, something had to trigger or cause that something to come into existence. So generally, everything in the universe must have a beginning and an end because there was a point in the universe, the history of the universe, where there was absolutely nothing. So it had to begin from some point. So the fact that creation has a beginning also demonstrate that 
nothing is endless and will have an end at some point. So if we can understand and use that as the basis from how we're actually now going to go into the question of uh, time, then we will understand that everything has to have a beginning. How does this now apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Now, um, I think that's also a very important concept because we feel that there are certain laws in this world that will never change. Um, the fact that we have a universe that has uh, so many solar systems and so many planets. I'm sure there are some people who believe if Kiyama comes, I can go to another planet. Uh, people are looking at <laughs> Mars because they think Earth is becoming overpopulated, greenhouse gases mm. and all of these things, and uh, the nature of the Earth will change and will become uninhabitable. So therefore, I can go to Mars, and if Mars is, uh, becomes habitable, if we can make it habitable, we can live there. Just a complete side point. There's a company in the United States that's actually offering to take people to Mars. You can actually book it. It's cost an enormous amount of money. But they're actually booking seats for an expedition that will take people to Mars. <laughs> and that for me is amazing because so mankind thinks that if this world, this planet that Allah has placed us on, if the time for it has come to, to uh, if, if it's no longer habitable, if the earth is destroyed, we can go to another planet, we can start life there. But here we are understanding that everything, even the planets, even the solar system, even this world is ever expanding, it's all going to end. And coming to the concept of everything has a beginning in this dunya, everything has an end, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, why do we say that it's not possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have a beginning? Now, logically, uh, and I want all of us just to use our intellect that Allah has given us and just look at it logically. If Allah had a beginning and we say if, big if, uh, to explain a concept, if Allah had a beginning, then it meant that before Allah had a beginning, that Allah was not, then it would have required something to bring Allah into existence from that point where Allah's existence started. Now, let's just go on with that and that if that's something that caused Allah's beginning also had a beginning, then that something would have had to have, if it had a beginning also, you would have something creating something else, having a beginning, creating something else, and it would be an endless loop where it's just logically impossible. So for Allah to, to get to, uh, to be recognized as the one who is the creator of everything, we have to get to a point that the creator of everything cannot have a beginning, because if it has a beginning, it means that it also requires something to bring it into existence. Now, clearly, that is not possible. And that's one of the logical reasons why it is impossible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have a beginning. Allah was when there was nothing, and Allah's existence is not dependent on a beginning because a beginning would have meant that Allah would, would have required a creator to bring Allah into an existence uh, and, and that would, would, would just throw out the whole concept of the unity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Now, staying with the concept of time and now looking at it from the perspective of creation, we would understand that time is the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's part of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then how does one then understand something being created? And we live in that time. We live in, a, in an environment where trees must grow, where plants must grow, where seasons must change. And we understand that Allah gives an order and it is immediately. So how do we understand the concept of time in relation to how things are as opposed to the order that Allah subhanahu has given, that command that Allah has given? Yeah, it does become complicated now to understand because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs things to happen, if Allah says that be to a tree, the way we experience the birth of that tree is the seed germinates in the ground. It's not like uh, Jack in the Beanstalk, <laughs> where you uh, go to sleep and the next morning there's a beanstalk that goes up into the heavens. Allah has very clear laws and that is the seed must germinate and it must grow into a small tree and eventually it will have a trunk and it will have branches and it will have leaves and if it's got fruit it will. But it takes time to develop from that initial seed to what we ultimately have, and that takes time. Now, how do we understand that that takes time, but time, we say, never applies to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's, it's, it's a difficult concept to actually understand. If we take one step back and we say Allah is the creator of time, then time can never be applied to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if time applied to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it would mean that the effects of time will apply to Allah as it applies to us. And that is not acceptable because if Allah must, for, let me use an example. Let me use another example. The sun is shining today and it's going to rain tomorrow. We're not sure whether it's going to rain. It doesn't matter what the weather broadcast says. <laughs> um, we don't know if it's going to rain. Whether it rains or, or not is dependent on whether Allah wills for it to rain. Now, if Allah said that it must rain tomorrow and we think that there is no time, Allah doesn't wait for tomorrow to arrive and then issue the command because that, it means that Allah has to wait for tomorrow to arrive and waiting is not something that can be associated with Allah because waiting describes need. And the same for life or death. If we have a, a situation that Allah is going to take the ruh of somebody tomorrow and the person is alive today, does Allah wait? How do we understand that? If we take another step back and we look at the word kun, kun is an instruction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now at the time when Allah issued the command of kun, time didn't even exist yet. And in any case, time doesn't apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The past, present and future doesn't exist when we talk about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's all rolled into one. So the word kun, be, the instruction for something to be, contains the beginning and the end and every single thing that's going to happen between the beginning and the end of the existence of something is contained in that word kun. 
So if we look at the question of whether it's going to rain, at the time when the instruction was issued for the world to come into existence, that instruction was already contained when it will rain and when it will shine, who will be born and who will die right at the beginning of time. Before the beginning of time, Allah had already. Now, that's not an easy concept to understand. And it's something that people must ponder on. But if you understand this, then that will assist us greatly to come to a better understanding, as I mentioned earlier, about how Allah uh, 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 puts things out. What is uitgesit and waar kom die question van choice and uh, how do we exercise choice? And Allah has already predetermined things uh, insofar as time is concerned in the word kun. And also, is this not a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is this not a, uh, a way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made our existence easier? Because I mean, ultimately, if everything came at once, mankind would not be able to handle that. That there has to be time. This created element that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has, has brought forth allows for us to age and have children and for them to age and for the world to, to progress and for things to take place on a timeline subject to this realm that Allah has put us in. So everything makes sense as opposed to if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, Allah could have sent everything at the same time and we being human beings wouldn't have the capacity to deal with it. Only Allah has the capacity to be able to send that command knowing absolutely everything that is going to happen and everything that is going to materialize. Like Herbert Said has mentioned, that coming in one instruction at one time, Allah knowing all of these things are going to happen and that they happen in an order that we can understand and make sense of. Yeah, Everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, including the things that we find very, very difficult to deal with, the tests and the hardships and the crises and the earthquakes and the deaths and the killings and everything around us, there's a mercy in it because Allah is the most merciful Lord. We cannot see all of these things, but as we ponder deeper on these things, we will see how much mercy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually has towards all of us. But having said that, I think it's important to note that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when Allah created the, the, the world, the universe, it's a different type of creation. Now Allah has created everything in the entire universe what we see, he, he see as the universe is the boundaries of the material world, or we refer to that as the universe. There are other worlds. Allah speaks about the other worlds. The world of the ghayb, for example, uh, of the angels, uh, the barzakh, those are different worlds. Um, and there are many worlds. Allah says there are, are, are seven samawat. Some people say that the seven samawat is not the seven layers in the atmosphere, as some people uh, used to. Uh, 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 the, the seven worlds refers to many other worlds other than this material world. Now, this material world that we are living in is a world that has very specific laws. 
The laws that apply to this world is that it has a beginning and it has an end. And, and some of the things we'll speak about later, there are certain forces here and things are made up in a particular way. They compose of a particular way. They last so long and then they die. Those are the laws that apply to the material world. We would make a grave error to use that understanding of the laws that we know of and apply it to all the other levels of existence. I'm not even talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Laws are made by Allah. Those laws don't apply to Allah. Allah is the creator. Everything that Allah has created does not apply to Allah. Otherwise, you would say creation can apply to Allah. Creation never applies to Allah. Allah is above all of that. The voice of Bidasali Mani, we are reflecting on the book, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body by Bidasali. And uh, this is book six in the series of books tonight, uh, talking about time and the, the understanding time. And uh, we've spoken about the fact that time does not apply to Allah. Time is of the creation of Allah and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists outside of time that Allah has created. We're going to go for a break and when we come back we will continue. You're welcome to WhatsApp us 072 Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome back to the program. Looking at the book, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body, book six in the series of books authored by Badasali Mani, joins me in studio. And uh, we've been reflecting on the concept of time. And the one question I want to ask Badasali is when we look at time as we understand it, and again, we are saying that time does not apply to Allah, it is something that Allah has created. And we say that. Before the universe was created, before everything was created, there was only Allah, there was nothing else. And Allah brought this into existence, this universe into existence, Allah brought into existence the concept of time for us. Now, can we then say, as Muslims, we then understand also that Allah doesn't have to wait for Qiyamah to happen, Allah doesn't have to wait for anything to happen, because all those elements, all those happenings, all those aspects, are available to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times. Allah doesn't need anything. If Allah needed anything, Allah would be imperfect. Imperfection uh, describes a state where there is something that's missing, something that's lacking. If, you, if, you, if Allah needed to wait on anything, then it would describe a state of imperfection. And imperfection can never be associated with the one who actually created everything and the owner of everything. So the fact that waiting can be described as imperfection eliminates the possibility of time ever being applicable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's not easy. I think it's the kind of thing that we should constantly reflect on. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make the ideas uh, 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 easier to understand. But it's not a one-shot thing where you suddenly ponder on, on time and you completely understand that these things take time. <laughs> Sorry for the pun. 
Time takes time to understand. <laughs> but when we come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we must remember Allah exists in a realm, in a dimension where there is no time, there is no space, there's no energy, no matter, no whatever in the way we understand it in the material world. Allah exists in total perfection and in need of nothing whatsoever. Now, staying with the concept of time, in order for us to make sense of this, when we look at the material world and we look at the universe and the material that this universe is made up of, when did this first appear? When did this that we see, this created world, first appear after that spark, after that that explosion from nothing into something? Yeah, now the scientists come in, uh, Muhammad Fasih, they come in and they assist us greatly. Because if the Quran had to speak about some of these technical terms, nobody would have understood it then and even now, because it would have been too technical. But that's the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has given human beings the ability to understand things uh, that we are actually able to explain things. And these scientists, Muslim or not, They've actually gone back and they've explained to us how the single spark of energy, which was extremely, extremely high in temperature, we said 10 to the power 40. We said it's uh, 10 followed by 40 zeros degrees Celsius. That's extremely odd. But anyway, they said that spark was the whole universe. As we see it now, the whole universe was in that spark. Now, that alone, if we ponder on that point alone, and we say Allah created the universe, which was all in that one spark, as we see the universe with the stars, the galaxies, and the trees, and the people, and the road, and the plastic, and the metal, everything where you look, was all contained in just that one spark. Now, amazingly, and we don't even realize this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the brains to actually take it from that spark and point for point for point get to where we are today, where we see this world with what it is now. What happened? Quite a few th things happened at the same time, but one of the things that almost immediately happened when the spark appeared because of the extremely high uh, temperature, it immediately exploded and converted into tiny, very tiny subatomic particles. We know that everything is made up of atoms. We've heard about atoms, but even smaller than atoms, very small, tiny parts, not visible by the eye, uh, uh, scientists have actually taken an atom, they accelerated it and exploded it to split it into its smaller parts and they came up with, with, with things that they call quarks and leptons and gluons and, and all the fancy words and terms that they break to describe what atoms are made up of and there was a must a, a, a dull cloud, mist, haze, only of these minute invisible pieces of dust particles of subatomic matter. Now, 
the amazing thing right at the beginning was there was a counterpart for every part. So every piece of material that was created, and if we talk about material now, we're going to refer to the word matter. Uh, so for every piece of matter, there was an equivalent antimatter component. And when these antimatter components and the positive ones collided, it exploded and converted back into energy. But because the energy was so intense, it exploded back into matter. So what happened is energy converted to matter and matter, when it exploded, converted back into energy. Now, one of the ways of quickly understanding that is if you take the positive and negative of a battery and you touch it, you see the spark. It's a similar kind of experience that can be utilized to understand what happened in the beginning when the, the positive and negative pieces of matter collided, it created energy. And because the energy was so intense, it converted back to matter. And as the matter uh, converted back and forth into energy, so the temperature started dropping. And as the temperature started dropping, so the universe started expanding. SubhanAllah, that is profound. If one thinks about the fact that at a microscopic, even beyond microscopic level, this was happening. And again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of even those subatomic particles. And those subatomic particles were necessary in order for this process of creation, this process of matter to form and yet Everything in this world, and we're not just talking about the physical, okay, there's a meteorite hurtling across the earth, there's a planet, uh, we look at the Milky Way, we're talking about even the, the things that make up these things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created those, and, and Allah is, is aware of every single thing. That gives us a whole new dimension around how we understand Allah's awareness. SubhanAllah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's something that makes you shudder if you get the understanding that Allah actually started there. And that's where, where scientists have come only now. We will get to a point where they will go even beyond that to see how Allah is, how truly great Allah is. But how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually creates, they will never, never fully understand. But this is so that regardless of what advancements we make in science and in technology, that the Quran and the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always be relevant. But one of the amazing things, so you had at that time, if you can picture this, you had energy that exploded into this whole haze, and it was small at the time, just this small pocket of a cloud of dust and mist with all these minute dust-like particles uh, floating around, converting back and forth to energy. You know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, uh, Muhammad Fasih, in verse 41, 11, and I quote, Then he took hold of the sky while it was smoke. Subhanallah. How can, how can the Quran speak about a process right at the beginning? 
right at the beginning of creation, when Allah, and, and I'll refer to the same uh, 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 ayah later on, when we explain how it even went from these dust-like particles to form the rest of creation, but Allah speaks about this very process in the Quran, when the creation was nothing other than what was referred to as smoke, it's interpreted as smoke by some of the scholars. It could also be interpreted as a mist or a haze or a dust cloud. Uh, but Allah speaks about that in the Quran. Um, Subhanallah, that in itself is also a miracle. Subhanallah. And uh, a moment ago, we spoke about the fact that when one splits asunder these these atoms, one gets these these particles, these corks, these pieces of energy. Then there's this haze, this cloud, this cloudiness. And then Subhanallah, here we speak, the Quran describes a smoke which we would understand as this cloudiness, the smoke that Allah took hold of. Subhanallah, and that is where creation. Where creation comes from and so as we can see then that there is no contradiction between what we see in the physical world and what we've been able to investigate as humanity as scientists as people who look at the universe trying to understand it and the lessons that are found in the quran there is no contradiction in actual fact there's a better explanation in the quran if we look and we search is a better explanation of the Quran than how we, in our rudimentary means, are able to, to understand and explain. I was going to say, uh, Muhammad Fasih, in fact, that process of what happened there, when matter and antimatter particles uh, collided, um, that was actually how space formed. Because as it collided, it, it cooled down, and it spread out and spread out and spread out. And that process of expansion from the initial size of a single spark to now these pieces of matter and antimatter that's crashing into one another and, and, and growing further and further apart, that was the beginning of space also. So now we have a simple, uh, a very simple description of how time came into existence and our space actually actually started. Subhanallah. I think uh, there's a lot to think about. So we're <laughs> going we're gonna to leave it on that point for this evening, inshallah. Again, we've been looking at the book, The Big Bang, The Amazing Human Body, by Bhattasari Mani, book six in the series. And we've been looking at the aspect of the concept of time. And uh, we've been looking at the concept of uh, the universe and how it was created, uh, how the, the elements that we see today, how the, the physical uh, things that you can see and touch came into being, alhamdulillah. And uh, we've covered a lot of ground again this evening. Inshallah, next week we'll be looking perhaps at the still expanding universe, this concept, which is very, very interesting. And uh, I think that there are so many lessons for us in even in that. SubhanAllah. But Asadi, shukran so much for joining us uh, once again. And look forward to another exciting program next week, inshallah. All the best. Shukran kathir. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Shukran Muhammad Fasih and uh, to the listeners uh, out there. I hope, inshallah, that at the end of this process, that all of us will have uh, better states of heart and that what we are doing here will impact on the kind of ibadah that we make at the end of the day, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. From Sam Muhammad Fasih, till I speak to you again, I bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
Love